dangerously close. You know what, man? I need to. <laughs> I forgot to ask you. Your last name, uh, De Blasi. De Blasi. Yeah. Uh huh. That's good. Where are you? I'm in Nashville. Nashville. All right. Are you? Uh, I know you're in New Mexico, but which part? New Mexico, Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a. New Mexico is one of the very few states that I have not visited that I truly desire to visit. Yeah. Good place. Good place. It's really rainy. We're in the midst of the balloon festival and uh people from all over the world here but they've gotten rained out the past two days so oh that sucks but before that i mean they had an incredible time so i mean the weather was just perfect just we have these big arching blue skies we're, we're a mile and a half high here surrounded by uh the mountains so uh and and uh, volcanoes so it, oh, it's so beautiful cool. it really is beautiful yeah i'm from uh tucson originally i'm de- i'm a desert dude i love the oh, desert you are okay yeah yeah you guys a little hotter down there yeah mm-hmm. okay I'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna introduce you all right <laughs> my guest this. today is paul de blasi the third phd he is a depth psychologist and award-winning author living in his native new mexico creating metaphysical thrillers energized with trickster mischief and natural magic uh, together with visionary metaphysical novels, he also writes blogs, archetypal essays on traumas, dreams, spirituality, and intuition. Uh, Paul's writing is informed by his personal and clinical understanding of the unconscious mind, treating patients in depth psych- psychotherapy for over 35 years has inspired stories about human conflict and transformations in the areas of love, relationships, and spirituality. And I just read one of Paul's books. So before we get going, I want to read just a little teeny piece off the back of the book as I've drawn a lot of my questions from this book. Uh, This is from the book Goddess of Everything. In the mystic land of Ozatlan del Norte, a realm of supernatural happenings and unexpected turns of fate, psychiatric healer Gabriel de la Tierra encounters evil with the orphanage of the Holy Innocents. Children disappear for no reasons. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Children disappear for reasons kept secret by Mother Juana de la Cruz, superior of the nunnery and the orphanage. What's up, Paul? Hey, it's great to be with you, Doug. <laughs> thank you for, for <laughs> thank you for being patient with me uh, stumbling over the uh, introduction. <laughs> sure, sure. It's great to be here. Man, I have a question. I really want to start with. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually I had googled it while I was reading your book and but it's it's really uh, an important feature and it's Ozitlan. Uh and I was wondering if maybe because I didn't feel like I got uh, any explanations from Google that I liked and I was yeah. wondering if maybe if you could uh, just give a little explanation as to what Ozitlan is like uh, uh, mythologically historically etc. Yeah, Ozitlan really is a uh, it's it's an imaginary place. Okay, and it's a spiritual homeland uh, coming up from uh, originally uh, New Mexico was part of Mexico. Uh, and so it, it goes from Mexico up through New Mexico. So it's a right now it's more of an imaginal, imaginary, uh, mythopoeic, I, I say, homeland, a spiritual homeland to those uh, who are from here. 
my roots go back here. Um, uh, the earliest, my the the latest roots are are Italian from Naples, 150 years ago. But the New Mexican roots uh, go back hundreds of years, and my grandmother was uh, native indigenous uh, Isleta Pueblo, and that's hundreds upon hundreds of years. So Aslan is the spiritual homeland that encompasses all of this area that once included uh, what is now Mexico. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's so, uh, I uh, that was what happened. I was like reading. I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, is this like a specific place? Why do I not know this place? Then I was like, okay. So there's more. I guess what you're saying too. There's more than one way to interpret it. Like, like you right. could say it's it's completely it, that it's completely mythical, or you could say that it, it in a way it's it is Mexican, like historically Mexico. Uh, historically, historically Mexican, and uh, now it's uh, for those of us who are mestizo, which means mixed blood. Mm-hmm. You know, I have all sorts of bloods running through me here, and New Mexico is New Mexico is very much its own culture. It's very distinct from Mexico, but yet that myth of Aslan remains here, and it's 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 a it's a myth of of culture that includes everything from food the spirituality that that is uh that is not organized religion at all it is a way of seeing self in the world and understanding that there's more to us than what we see and more to life than than what we see what william james the father of american psychology described as as the unseen world that governs the world of the everyday and phenomena that happen right before our eyes um, it's actually, it's interesting you would mention that part, right? Cause I was, I was going to follow up with a question, but before I do, I, w- I did want to ask, it's just kind of sprung to mind. Mm-hmm. Is there a term specifically maybe for like the kind of, uh, mysticism or spirituality or whatever you might want to call it religion, uh, of Ozatlan is, or is it just, or do you, is that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, if I asked that question very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the distinction that some people agree with, others don't. For me, but it but it works. Is uh, spirituality is different than mist- uh, than uh, uh, than religion. Yes. Uh, religion is is organized spirituality. There's there's a there's an old joke that um, uh, once religion comes in the front door, spirit leaves out the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there's there's no sense of religion to this. Uh, it's a spirituality in which uh, my aunts uh, on my maternal side, my mother, and all of the aunts practiced healing, indigenous healing. Yeah. Uh, some of them are curanderas, curanderos. Uh, my my daughter has is a professor of of uh witchcraft the occult and gender studies oh that's awesome university of new mexico so and and all of my daughters are attuned to the psychic my son is they're artists and writers and it it uh, we don't practice an organized religion it's a way of of understanding that there is a spiritual world Uh, my son who lives in new york read my first book the unholy and uh, it, it really explores the dark side of religion and its potent and its corrupting effects on, on human beings. That's where spirituality is taken, and and it's attempting to get um, uh, 
I'm, I'm going to use the word God, okay? And I'll tell you why I use that word. God in a box and control everything. And it can really corrupt human nature, which has a natural sense of the spiritual. It corrupts because huge issues of power and control come in. Like yeah. in Goddess of Everything, you have this mother superior who to the community is, is a saint. She's doing these wonderful things for these needy children, but they don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Yeah. yeah. And this, the drama unfolds. And there's and and because of the 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 myth of Aslan and the supernatural understanding, things are really scary and weird be, weird occurrences take place that are pretty spine tingling. And it all occurs within the context of daily life and the central phenomena that, that, that's true for all of us is whether we can really open up to truth and even more than truth to love in our life. And if we can, then we can see through in a much clearer way what's good and what's bad for us and what affects us in practical ways to include our spirituality. So... Uh, yeah, there's no religion. It's it's spirituality. It's a mysticism. My son said, wow, this is a mysticism I was raised with. We were talking about it at the kitchen table. Um, we talked about our dreams and understanding our dreams, synchronous yeah. events, intuition. Uh, the minute <clears throat> you shake a person's hand, for some reason, this image comes into your mind. And, it's, and I tell the kids, that's telling you something about this person. Yeah. I would love to do that. Okay, these gut feelings that we may think are no big deal. Oh, no, they are a big deal. Listen to them. And the more you listen to those, those um, uh, feelings, those images, your dreams, and you learn the language of that, the more they begin to speak to you. And that's what each of my novels addresses. And Goddess of Everything being the latest one that I'm glad you said you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I will say to a certain extent, uh, haunting. It's uh, yes. Mother Mother Juana de la Cruz is yes. uh you know it's a, and it's a terrifying situation and you know especially like you were saying the when uh, earlier speaking of like you know religious authorities that have total control and especially and you've heard the the horror stories I don't I'm not I won't harp on it but you know like and these are like these this is this place place in an orphanage these yeah. are like the, the most helpless people you know their children. So very, very scary. I'm not going to put any spoilers in here, but I, <laughs> but I am going to go uh, to, so I don't know if I was supposed to read this into it. I, this may have been completely just my mind uh, seeing things that weren't there, but having your two main oppositional figures in, in goddess of everything, uh, mm -hmm. their names are uh, De La Tierra and De La Cruz. Is that kind of a signifier of the contention between organized religion, in this case, Catholicism, versus uh, nature-based uh, spiritualism? Is that, or yeah. is that? Of course, I don't. I, I don't. I, I, <laughs> you, you say Catholicism. Uh, I, I'm careful to. to... Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry to everyone listening. I yeah. know you, he never, you never specifically say these are Catholics. Right. I, <laughs> I, I, I use the word Ecclesia Dei. And uh, it's a it's a Latin term, meaning uh, God's church. Okay, but it is in New Mexico, so you can pretty much go from there. Okay, and and uh, all the bells and whistles that would lead a person to think it 
uh, consider Catholicism, but it really, my, my background as, as a depth psychologist is in treating trauma survivors, specifically those who've gone through religious abuse. My practice is populated by individuals who've been hurt within that context. And uh, yes, you have a, a definite distinction, don't you? You have the opposition of earth, de la tierra, earth, of the earth, and de la cruz, you know, of mm-hmm. religion. And what's natural, what is unnatural, what is uh, uh, what is good for people, what is generative, and what looks good, but is actually something quite different and quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, once again, I'm sorry that I just threw in the word Catholicism and I, I had, no, no, no. It's a good point, Doug, because I've been, uh, uh, I haven't on, on goddess of the wild thing and goddess of, of everything. Every, each of my novels uh, will in some way uh, uh, really uh, critique religion because that's my background. I have a background in religious studies, psychology. My writings are in archetypal psychology, spirituality, and the like. Uh, in in the Unholy, the first uh, my first novel, which won the International Book Award. Uh, uh, you have an evil archbishop that he is the antagonist here you have an evil mother superior she is the antagonist um so uh there's there's just a a definite good and evil and uh when it comes to religion itself uh in the unholy uh, i was critiqued and said you're a catholic basher I, i i'm not a catholic basher whatever people find meaningful for them and helping them to be a good human being. Yeah. And, and, and they don't feel um, oppressed by fear and guilt. And if Catholicism does that for you, it helps you to be a freer and better human being. That's, that's great. Okay. Uh, What I'm looking at is the dark side of religion. I treat individuals from Catholicism, Mormonism, Judaism, uh, Sikhism, um uh all sorts of uh facets of the new age movement uh protestantism and there's a dark side to religion and it's it's quite frightening and uh, that's what my my books address so it's uh, um i'm coming from what i know best because my background has been catholic but i i wanted to um the inference is there and it's it's pretty obvious uh but I, I don't intend to have an anti-Catholic bias. I, I do attempt to raise some consciousness about the dark side of religion yeah. and offer a critique. <laughs> and uh, I'm just trying to recall their names correctly. Uh, De Las Mujeres, I think it's the name of the sect. And you could say uh, possibly it even operates somewhat like a cult. But I, you know the fact that you use like a lot of the symbolism of an Abrahamic religion. It's not that, that yeah, I, I didn't feel like there was any Catholic batching at all. And, and, and also tons, so many cults have used the Abrahamic religion to do, you know, that's what the, the branch Davidians were uh, right. a form of Christianity. So it's, it's, you know, and the, the FBI found it uh, justified to do what they did. So, I mean, I guess 
We could drop it with that. <laughs> well, no, no, it's 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 really good because my my latest. If you don't mind me just just doing a quick uh, no, go ahead. Uh, side comment: my the the new novel that I'm writing right now, Seer, uh, the case of the the man who lost his soul. Okay, this is uh, this is uh, uh, also I, I, I've been colleagues have said. Paul, you you line up something to attack in each of your novels. Okay. <laughs> Here I'm looking, you know, and and I do. I I think a novel is supposed to offer something novel, something new, yeah. a new perspective on an old idea or or an institution. Or uh, Salmon Rushdie, for instance, was critiquing um, the dark side of religion. Yeah. Okay. And and culture and politics, uh, and you know th th there was some ba huge backlash. And I, yeah, he's I, a, I, yeah. I can't believe uh, he after all this time, what he just survived a stabbing uh, not that long ago. Yes, it, it's just it's just incredible. Uh, but but um, uh, what's going on here is is in in my newest novel it's it's i'm i'm taking a look at the new age movement <clears throat> and the whole metaphysical cult that's that's developed and it is a cult whether oh, yeah. it's uh whether it's uh uh individuals having left formal religion uh, and they range from my age to your age to younger uh, i am 69 and there's a lot of folks in in new age churches in in yoga and yoga has become a religion practically. And yeah. now I'm a longtime yogic practitioner. I've been practicing yoga for 50 years. Wow. Uh, awesome. But I, I'm careful with the groups. Yeah. And I'm careful with the culture of it because that begins to exert its own control and its own dark side. And there is a metaphysical world. You you hit this this new novel, Seer, the case of the man who lost his soul. It's it won't be out for another year and a half. But uh, it takes place in Santa Fe directly, and uh, it goes after what's called the New World Order of Consciousness. And boy, things get nasty. And uh, 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 Dr. Ernesto de la Tierra is helping a man who's come to him who claims he's lost his soul. And it, it all is tied in to New Age religion. That sounds and fascinating. <laughs> yeah, so it's dark side and how and soul loss is very real. And we're essentially struggling with soul loss in different ways. And in each of my novels and goddess of everything here, the the protagonist is is the son who wants to believe the best about his mother and cannot believe what he's hearing. But yet his his wife is saying it's all around you, Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. It's all around you, you know. But she can only tell him so much, so it's it's difficult to see quite often. But uh, there's he's on the verge of of soul loss himself, and a person experienced soul loss is a real re is is a reality. We've individuals experience it as as a malaise, uh, and and as uh, they can experience physical symptoms of of chronic pain that has no medical basis and uh, uh, irritation, uh, relationship conflicts, and the, they've lost a hold of themselves. I call it soul loss. Uh, the old term for that with seers and sages is soul loss. 
So in psychotherapy, when a person begins to understand what's going on in their life, what's caused it, the bad stuff they've inadvertently sold out to, that's soul loss. That's caused soul loss. And as they begin to understand that and clear themselves out of what's bad, what's been destructive for them, and begin to nourish what's good, there's uh, what uh, new age movements are calling soul retrieval. And they are right. There is a sense of soulfulness coming back. When you and I are exchanging right here, I think we have a nice soul connection. Yeah. Okay? Or we might say it's a good vibe. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, I'm, a, I'm always talking about vibes. <laughs> yeah. It's a good vibe. You know, yeah. it's not, if we didn't have a soulful connection, it, it'd be falling flat and be real boring. Yeah. And I don't feel bored. I think we have nice engagement. Well, yeah. as a matter of fact, of you you brought up uh, synchronicity earlier, which is one mm -hmm. of my absolute, it's something that I'm very in tune with. And this podcast, I just feel so lucky that there's so much synchronicity in it. And mm -hmm. I, but it's interesting that your last couple of points, not only one that it set me up perfectly for my next question, which I will ask in just a moment, but I did want to, before I went to that, I wanted to just buttress a statement that you made about, uh, and I guess just for lack of a better term, just saying new age, but uh, in that you could mean uh, like yogic style, like cults or uh, people that, you know, certain types of diets, even like, like people get into a certain type of diet until it becomes very cult-like but uh what's happening is also uh i had thought about writing something on this was that it's a uh gateway or a funnel into a lot of fascism for people they you oh. know they go yes. they, they start out with something which is completely with the intention of for uh promoting physical health you know just like it's not even about your mind it's just about your physical health and the next thing you know they're on these message boards and on these social media sites saying very very dangerous and and basically flat out fascist statements right. <laughs> and, they, and they got there through a diet or an exercise you know uh so anyway i just wanted to chime in with you there that's something that i truly that's, that's, have seen that's that's really uh spot on because anytime you hit a zealotry in any form and we can all be prone toward it and yeah. uh we start to have the answer and there are no answers in life. There are many answers and there are answers that evolve. Yeah. Things work today, but may change tomorrow. There's one thing that's true about life and about all truth is that it's evolving. There are truths and it, it shifts and changes and uh, that's a wonderful thing. And it's fantastic because it keeps us on our toes. We always have to we always have to be willing to see things in a new way. So we hit fascism. You know, there's clear cut answers. I'm in, you're out or you're in and I'm out. I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. And in my novels, although I do work with binaries like that, there is evil and there's there's good. Uh, what constitutes what is evil or wicked, and, and I pop it out because I write dramatic fiction. I, I'm not a subtle writer. You yeah. know, I, yeah. I, I don't go with a lot of nuance. <laughs> it's like, let's get this out there. It's sort of in your face. And and people, for goddess of everything, uh, just just by way of, of um, uh, uh, putting things out there, they said that there are triggers for people. So uh, you know, an alert there. This is this can be a shocking novel, 
but um yeah parts for sure because yeah it's a that's not like a you're not just suspicious that this might be a uh a, a ill-meaning uh cult or an ill-meaning uh nun that they 100 percent are practicing dark magic and mutilation and torture and so right you just the the, the intrigue in the novel uh that, that I felt writing it and, and that I do feel in, in writing uh, all of my books and my, and my readers have said is you just don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. <laughs> you know who the bad person is, but yeah. you just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, oh, this is what I, uh, the second part to what I was saying with the synchronicity is that you brought up uh, the novel you're writing now and you said it was called the seer. Is that uh, it's called uh, it's, it's seer seer. And uh, this it's fear, oh, and then the subtitle is "The Case of the Man Who Lost His Soul." Uh, my favorite, and probably uh, the guy standing over my shoulder. I have a couple of them, um, and and uh, inspiring me is Algernon Blackwood, a contemporary uh, of of uh, 20th century writer of supernatural tales. He wrote the John Silence stories. Who, uh, Doctor John Silence. And he had five cases of, and Dr. John Silence was a, di a doctor of psychical phenomena. He was an MD who treated individuals with what he, was, he, he called psychical illness. And um, so I've, I've translated that into uh, what I, I believe is going to be a series of the seer, seer, uh, and uh, there are going to be case studies like Freud wrote, wrote uh, case studies uh, the Wolfman is a famous uh, case study by Freud. So I'll, I'll be writing um, uh, case studies. And, and these are, these are metaphysical thrillers, seer, the case of the man who lost his soul. And uh, it comes from clinical practice, but no one person, because I've treated many people who've come to me, saying saying essentially that they haven't put it in those words some have but uh the sense of soul loss is there and the type of people who come to me in practice are open to to that sort of language and they understand that they come from a more of a spiritual uh orientation uh and they speaking of synchronicity they find uh they find me i don't accept new patients any any longer because i'm going to practice another probably 10 years i i, I see so I have I have a caseload filled with people I I need to spend another ten years with to to bring things to closure. But they find me in in very uh, synchronistic ways. Uh, they they don't just uh, uh, they just don't uh, come from a a, a a a referral from their physician, for instance. One thing led to another, led to another. And then they come into my office and it's a match. Okay. I, um, I am curious just, uh, like at face value, it kind of, it's easy to just hear the words, uh, soul loss and just mm -hmm. and kind of get it. But now that I've thought more about it, uh, it almost in, I guess, cause everyone has a different idea of what soul means. And I think that my own personal idea of it, it seems to me like how, how would a person be, able to come to you and verbalize that and be up and moving around and uh, what, what it what is soul loss i don't understand if uh if you're yeah. still if you, if you don't have a soul how are you even uh 
a human being. Uh, yeah, and that's true. A person who's completely lost their soul, they're not even uh, going to make it into my office. But there are people alive. Uh, I, I'm not going to uh, name names here, but everybody yeah. will know who I'm talking to. We have politicians now that are that are utterly psychopathic. Utterly okay. Uh, yes. Fashion. Okay. So I understand that. So so there are there is a, no soul. Maybe a, a psychopath or an extreme narcissist would mm -hmm. be an example of soul loss of a person who is still uh, still, functioning. still functioning. Okay. I yeah. guess well, I you know what it is is for me. I I think what it is is I I growing up and even to this day I think of a soul as being my whole inner being or my mind even. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that if I were to lose my soul, wouldn't my body just kind of be on life support? Like <laughs> so, you know, if if uh, just one other thing with that, uh, Biden made the comment that was well publicized. Uh, he said when he first looked into Putin's eyes, he told his assistant, "The man has no soul." Yeah, that's that's really spooky. Yeah, and and but the people who make their way to my office, had they if they have no soul, they're they're never going to come to me. They yeah. never want to come to me. Yeah. But uh, when they say, "I feel like I've lost my soul," or there is, in fact, I just was writing on this yesterday, where I was going into the the uh, the patient's uh, self reflection and 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 the uh, these the therapists uh, Ernesto de la Tierra's uh, 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 thoughts about this that what brought him in is that smidgen of human life that remained that was crying out for help and the therapist then is having to go to those embers and try to blow life into those and bring warmth back to that person. But a person wouldn't say, I'm suffering from soul loss, doctor, please help me. They're yeah. saying, I'm out of it. I just, I, I, I'm just, I, 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 I don't feel like myself. And I haven't felt like myself for weeks or months, or sometimes years, or sometimes they can say, I feel like I'm losing my mind, or maybe I've lost it. I, yeah. I, I just, I, I just don't feel well, that's soul loss. That makes so much more sense to me. And uh, I think maybe I was having almost a cartoonish idea of the soul physically leaving and going to another place. Uh, maybe when it, and when you use the analogy of uh, rekindling a fire, I can see that more, it's almost like soul death and, and that you yeah. can bring it back to life. And so. Although, I, although it's not dead. See, I, 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 I mean, that image that you use is fascinating, isn't it? The soul leaving, going to some other place. Maybe, right, Doug? I mean, yeah. how, how do we know? Maybe, I mean, when you, we've had, I'm sure we both had, and, and the listeners, maybe many listeners have had experiences of looking into somebody's eyes and you're thinking, wow, nobody's there. Nobody's home. Yeah. It's like they're vacant. Yeah. It's like, I think, their soul is left, whatever oh, yeah. that, oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever that means. I would not want to look into Trump's eyes. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Eyes. You know, <laughs> it's like you'd be lost in a black abyss somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I get that too. Uh, you know, cause I've had the experience certainly 
where I've looked into the eyes of someone who has a serious, very serious alcoholism or uh, drug addiction, whatever. And, you know, when they're just like for lack of a better word, when they're really, really fucked up, you know, and you look at someone's right. eyes uh, and they're not and they're not there. Like and they're not there. you're talking to, like I've had this up before where I've been talking to a friend that I've known for years and they're not they're not home. Uh, right. I don't know if that's equivalent to what we're discussing. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, maybe, a, you maybe can... a, maybe a, maybe that's a, a, like a miniature version of it happening or something. Right, right, and 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 I, I, I think that that's good though, because so lost. We're we're using terms, concepts that tries to best capture the feeling, the experience. You know, when I've when I've uh, when I was taking patients, you know especially in the early years of my practice, uh, practicing addicts uh, and or alcoholics, severe alcoholics would uh, would find their way in. And I'd say, uh, I don't feel like I'm the one to treat you right now. Yeah. Because I, I would like you to, to get yourself sobered up or clean, get into NA or AA. And if you can do that for a year, then come back and and uh, check with me because I want all that stuff cleared out. There's too much, there's too much debris and there's too much numbing, uh, and the soul loss has occurred. But the drugs and the alcohol serve to numb any psychic ability for insight so so much that it's it would be like uh, pouring water on granite. And yeah. I can't help the person. So they need to get into a program that helps them to begin, just begin to become a little bit human again and to show some sincerity that they want to get well. And then we can start blowing on those embers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I just realized, because uh, we did take a, a little uh, tangent there from where I was uh, like sure. earlier when I was saying that we were, set up so perfectly for this question but it's still <laughs> it's the, when you were talking about the seer and that's what i was this is actually drawing once again from goddess of everything but yeah. uh speaking of seer it's uh there's a lot regarding uh seers and vision quests and these are people that are just naturally uh psychically in tune to be able to achieve transcendental mental states right. and also you reference uh carl jung a few times in the book mm-hmm. right uh and I was just going to ask you, just you know, your opinion uh, as a, as a psychologist on uh, what it means, or you know, how I'm not sure how best to phrase this, but what is your opinion on achieving altered states of consciousness uh, meant to be used as a tool? Uh, like, how, like in, in the book, like for instance, uh, Consuela, who's the wife of Gabriel de la Tierra, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of oftentimes her visions helps him. And his visions of his old therapist, uh, also another uh, kind of father figure that's yes. kind of more ethereal, guide him. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry if that question was kind of all over the place, but no, 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 no. It's I I, I love the question because these are natural phenomena. Your dreams, your visions, and and visions come there. They can be waking visions uh i i i'm in therapy with a, a a patient or you and i could be talking right now i could have a vision 
which would mean for me, I don't, it's not interfering with me seeing you. It's a, it's a mind image that comes and it's very pronounced. It's just not a, a, a fleeting thought or, or a wisp of this or that. It's just something very pronounced. I don't have anything right now on you, Doug. But okay. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> but, but when those come, you know, uh, you you have uh, 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 my wife and I speak about our dreams every day. I have dreams about my my patients uh, on Sunday night. I'll begin to dream about my patients uh, and what they're going to need. And sure enough. They, those those situations come up. I don't tell them I, I dreamt about this and this is what we need to do. But I implement and and uh, in an empathic as empathically as possible uh, way what what uh, what will be of help to them. But yeah, these are are these tools. Um, uh, maybe not tools, I'd say, but their natural their natural feeling states, their natural feelings. Dreams are natural, okay? Uh, if we take them seriously, they'll speak to you. You don't need the complex language of Freudianism or Jungianism even. Jungianism can become its own cult. I have Jungian pals and I, I, I josh them all the time. I say, you know, Jung said, thank goodness I'm, I'm Jung and not a Jungian. Yeah. Said, what do you guys, <laughs> you, you folks have made a cult of this, you know, yeah. you're Jungian. But it should be a natural flow so that everyone learns their dreams can speak to them practically. When you have an intuition, listen to it and watch what happens. Uh, when synchronous events come and, and uh, the sh shamanic wor uh, world talks about it as, as shamanic messages. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, let's say I'm, um, uh, I'm, I I'm driving down the street and um, uh, I, I, I'm thinking that, you know, I think I'm going to go this way and I want to see this person because I haven't seen them in a while. And horrible image, but a pigeon smashes against my windshield. I, 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 I wouldn't do that. You know, that is a shamanic message. Do not yeah. go that way. This yeah. is a bad, you know, we say it's a bad omen. Yeah, you know, I'll do that. Or I've had simple things happen where I, I'm thinking about, uh, and it's usually per people related. Um, sometimes it's other things. I'm thinking about doing a book project, and but I'm not sure about it. And uh, I turn around, and my elbow brushes against my favorite coffee mug, and it it breaks, and I think, yeah. Okay, got the message. Okay, and the people might make fun, but that's a synchronous moment. Yeah. Okay. And if you're sensitive, those things will continue to happen. Are they tools? Maybe, but I think that they're messages. It's more of our relationship to the spiritual world. Uh, C.G. Jung spoke about it as the collective unconscious. Uh, other facets of psychology speak about it as the transpersonal psyche. So however is good for you to think about it. I think it's life. It's yeah. life. You get life messages is what I say. Listen to them. You know, it's intuition, it's dreams, it's visions. Dreams will speak very clearly. I've had dreams uh, two days before the podcast that for some reason I, I need to close down this podcast and not do it. Mm -hmm. So I, I write a note 
and da 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 da. And and later on, I find out something about that podcast, and it's like I'm really glad I wasn't on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so the dream comes, and why it didn't come before, I don't know. I don't know, but it came when it came. You know, so I get guidance. It's very practical. And it's about people, it's about situations, about it's about personal guidance in life. Uh, I, I've had dreams that I should take on no new patients, that I have enough energy in me to see the patients through that I do. And then uh, I'll close up practice in 10 years or so, because it takes that long. I do depth therapy, it's yeah. long-term intensive work. And then I'll devote myself full-time to writing. Right now I write on the weekends, so... Yeah. And they guide, by the way, you know, my dreams guide each, each book, uh, each, 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 uh, there's inspiration for not only each book, but each scene, many of the images are images that have been floating through my mind in the dream world for, for months or years. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good answer. And yeah, I think too, like, uh, something that's common in my life is I have uh, deja vu. Mm -hmm. very frequently and i think a lot of it is actually uh because i i forget my dreams fairly rapidly after i wake mm -hmm. up but i mm -hmm. think so often what it is is i'll be doing something that i've already dreamt that i did uh however i don't often see it as a tool because it's it's kind of like one of those things where oftentimes synchronicity is just ambivalent it's not uh a directive does that make sense yeah, it, it's not a directive, but it is telling you something's important. Yeah, it's a pay attention. That's yeah, it. that's uh, that's how I like to look at it. I've always thought of synchronicity as uh, almost like uh, when you're uh, coming in when you're coming in for a landing on an airplane at night, sure. and the uh, tarmac's lit up. Uh, the synchronicity that's the lights on yes. the runway oh, for the for yeah. the airplane. So you're like, okay, yeah. I'm headed. This is where I should be landing. Whether Perfect. or not it's it's not telling me why I should be landing there or what I'm going to get, you know, what's going to happen when I reach this new city. But, it, you know, the plane can safely land here. Maybe that's, that's uh, right. one way to look at it. Yeah. I wanted to bring up a, one more thing because you, uh, when you had said, uh, when Carl Jung made the joke that he's like, uh, thank God I'm not a uh, Jungian. Right. And uh, it made me just flash back to when I had briefly gotten into uh, Nietzsche and, and his, very similar thing he was like he's like don't please don't make a religion out of or a philosophy you know a religion out of my philosophy or whatever and then of course he right. died and his sister took all of his work and gave it to the nazis and they made it into <laughs> <laughs> basically the nazi yeah, religion really <laughs> yeah. uh, or it's like bob dylan says you know don't follow no leaders and watch your parking meters yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, this is something I really wanted to uh, get into is uh, the fact that you use a lot of animal symbolism, which I love, uh, particularly, yes. and I don't know if this is just this one uh, one book that I read, uh, Goddess of Everything, but uh, coyotes are very prominent in that. I, I happen to personally love coyotes. I know a lot of people don't. I like them a lot. Uh, where do you draw your inspiration for that? Well, New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, New Mexico and and my my knowledge of archetypal images, symbolism, um, mythology. Uh, coyotes are trickster figures. They can be good. They can be bad. But they're they're some they're they're always a uh, a symbol in 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 literary narrative that something tricky is at work. 
So pay attention. Okay. It is. Yeah. I got a little, uh, there's so much construction here in Nashville and they're destroying all the green space. I don't want to get into it. It, it depresses me a little bit to get too far into it, but it's pushing so much of the wildlife, you know, into I live in a very urban area and I've got, uh, unfortunately there's a Creek beside my house. So I get, I get some of the most wildlife here, but, uh, I got a little, uh, little family of coyotes and they love to, uh, hide, hide in that Creek bed, like, or in the, in the little area. So at night they come out in my, uh, my yard and I always know they're there cause my dog lets me know. Uh, and I go out and they're all just walking around my lawn looking cool. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe yeah. there's something something maybe there's some trickster magic afoot right now because I got a little family of coyotes decided to move in next door to me. Boy, see, now now we just spoke about shamanic messages and now you're telling me about this about you. You want my comment? Yeah. I think they may be spirit animals for you and alerting you to the fact that uh you too are a mischief maker. And <laughs> uh, enjoy that in your life and enjoy that about yourself. I will. I, I, I intend to enjoy that to the fullest. So, <laughs> so thank you. And thank you, Coyotes, if you can hear me through the window. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're right outside my office, I'm sure. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is a, another thing uh, drawing from the book, but also just this is something I have experienced in my life uh, multiple times. I find it to be just as real as, you know, just as real as the ground beneath my feet. Uh, you describe certain places and locations as having the uh, psychic remains of trauma and evil uh what do you think about places in the world where people have seemed to unanimously agree uh that that sort of energy is in a location they're right they're <laughs> right and and uh it, and it 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 just depends too um where uh it, i've been to to places that are washed out uh, but still people are visiting and they're oud and odd uh, by the, I remember a, uh, I'm thinking of a, uh, oh gosh, decades ago, we were on a family vacation to San Diego and we were turning the corner and they, they had a line going into this haunted house. And I typically don't like those things, but yeah, decided to go in and the place had been haunted uh, evidently uh i think uh but there's absolutely nothing there there's no psychic vibe there at all at all yeah. uh however my wife and i were in ireland okay in in a, a lovely uh, little village uh that at one point uh had been uh the village surrounding a castle that was now a, an airbnb because the owners the original owners were there and we walked into the castle i didn't know anything about it and I said, whoa, this place is haunted. And it was, the entryway was lovely. Okay. Yeah. It was haunted. And uh, they were showing us around. And as we went up the stairs, the wallpaper <clears throat> was curling. And uh, the, the wood was beginning to rot. And I said, ooh, bad signs. And we went further up into this bedroom and I didn't want to go in the bedroom. There oh, yeah. was a bad presence in there. And we, we, the group went in. So my wife and I went in and there was uh, one of those mirrors that is uh, 
uh, on a swivel. It's it's uh, a body length mirror. And so a person can look in. And I said, whatever it is, 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 is in that mirror. And, and then, um, and I, I just shook it off because it was a terrible and, and, and the mirror was sort of warbled and aged. Okay, so it wasn't a clear image in that mirror. And uh, the woman went on. And as we were leaving, she said, Oh, and by the way, uh, this was a little girl's room. And uh, I won't go into the whole story there, she said, but she was, I'll just say lost, she said. And I said, oh, my God. And that night, I had a nightmare about that little girl. And she was shrieking at me that I was never to enter that room again, that this was her home, her castle. Wow. No one should be here but her. And she was shrieking from within that mirror. And this, she haunted that home. Something yeah. very bad happened. Okay. So, yeah, these places are real. Then you get places where bad, bad things have happened. Uh, we were, we were, uh, I'd never been to Berlin. We visited Berlin and it's so sad uh, on the other side of the wall. Oh, uh, yeah. Still that sadness that lingers. And you visit uh, to this day, to this day, to this day. And, uh, uh, where where people were tortured, you know, you 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 visit the the um, the uh, the Nazi torture chambers there, and oh, these these places are haunted to this day. It it is thick in the air, yeah. And it this is very bad, but important to visit. Uh, it's it's seared in my memory, and that that is genuine spirit. It has not been washed out. Uh, there are haunted homes. They 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 are real. Uh, and what you, I mean, those places need, if it's a bad spirit, all old homes have haunt, are, are, have spirits in them. You know, oh, yeah. the, I, if, I used to know. move around uh, a lot. So I, I lived, lived in many, many homes and there was one in particular. And there's at no point in my life will anyone ever convince me that, that I was not living in a haunted house because mm-hmm. I was convinced the entire time I was there. It's been years and for nothing in my life has happened that would change my mind about the fact that I felt like I was living in a haunted house. I mean, the things that like the things that would occur, the things I would see, things I would hear. And, you know, just (laughs) that's right. It was the energy of the home. It is the energy of the home. And you have in God's of everything. There's that scene where Gabriel is waiting for his mother and Gabriel is the head of the, uh, the psychiatric institution that takes care of these children uh for on behalf of his mother's orphanage okay yeah he doesn't know what's happening but he's sitting there and the wooden chair and he's starting to wonder he feels because he's very intuitive about everything he's he's a healer he's very intuitive but he can't see clearly when it comes to his mother and all of a sudden he has these images of children and the wailing the crying and he doubts that image and he sees on the on the uh, oak chair scratch marks and indentations as though from a hand and nails having dug in like claws and and uh, uh, an individual being 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 uh, punished and he he doubts that and when he does he's standing a bit away from the chair the chair moves yeah <laughs> And, yeah. and, he, and, he, and, he, and he can't move the chair himself. 
No. The shirt is, <laughs> is immovable, except through its own volition. Except through its own volition, exactly. So that's a little message. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, I almost wanted to skip this, but I feel like it's kind of important. It's important to the book. And the only reason I was going to think about maybe skipping over was just because you had said that some people had accused you of Catholic bashing. Uh, but this this question is not specific to Catholicism. As a matter of fact, I have a great aunt who was a Catholic nun. She's mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful lady. Like, just like you said, you know, individuals and, you know, she's one of the greatest people I know. So it's not, I'm not over here Catholic bashing either, but Right. Uh, but there's a lot in the book and it is uh, relative to this harsh aversion to sex or sexuality or for, you know, a lot of these kids in the orphanage are adolescent. They're going through puberty and they're, you know, severely punished for, uh, you know, becoming adults uh, sexually and whatever. And uh, and like I had said earlier, like you said, it's triggering, but there's like some mutilation type uh events that happen what and i i don't want to put you on the spot here with like a crazy question that's you know i'm sure people have been trying to hack at for years but what do you think is behind this uh the organized religions treating sex and sexuality as though it's some kind of major sin or that it's dirty or that it's fucked up when it's uh you know this is this is how as a species this is how we continue to exist this is our survival depends on it's like breathing and eating Right, you know, just quickly going back to the, to the to the idea or the or, or the joke, you know, I told you about when religion comes in the front door, spirit leaves out the back. Uh, there, there's the in the brothers Karamazov, where uh, Jesus has been imprisoned by the by the Cardinal of Seville, Spain, because he's come back to the earth, and the Cardinal's pissed, you know, and he oh, throws yeah. him in the d- dungeon, you know, and he's and he and he comes down and and the cardinal does to the dungeon and uh he's and the cardinal says to jesus he said why are you back we've gotten what you've said and we've made it for the people and we are helping them and you are here to ruin that and the whole story is about the fact that jesus was about helping people to be free and learn to love one another yeah and the story as the story goes jesus sheds a tear the cardinal opens up the gate he leaves seville spain and has never been seen there again you know what's that is that dostoevsky dostoevsky okay yeah and and brother brand <laughs> yeah and and uh what happens here is that you get what's natural and uh, what's natural then becomes then controlled, in this case, sexuality. And uh, Jesus was never, there's nowhere, Jesus does not speak of the need for celibacy, for instance. He did not require that of his apostles. His best yeah. friend was, was a prostitute, you know, Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And, and uh, he was a very, I mean, he was, he was an open free spirit. But you you have what's natural, and if it's thwarted or repressed, then it comes out sideways and it becomes pathological. And so the church and many churches, not just uh, it's happened in 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 Hindu and yoga circles. It's happened in Protestantism. It's happened in 
Catholicism where you have the repression of sexuality and then you you see the dark expression of sexuality because yeah. you can't fool mother nature you can't fool mother nature she'll she'll uh, those human energies if they're not allowed proper growth and development will be expressed in a twisted and destructive manner and i guess like you're saying you know this is this is not spirituality this is a business this is business <laughs> this is uh it's like the you know um who's that fucking guy joel olstein you know yeah. he's he's got multiple private jets he lives in the, the largest palace in you know in america america possibly uh, and yeah. all this stuff and it's like where when did jesus say that you should right. do that <laughs> you, you know you know you uh, you may i'm sure you saw the godfather and i think it was the third godfather the last one you, you get Pacino in there and uh, he's he's meeting with the cardinal. Oh, yeah. And this is based on a true story, you know, the, the Vatican financial scandal. And he's meeting with the cardinal and uh, because he uh, Pacino goes to Sicily mm. and he goes to the Sicilian godfather and he said, is there any any man of integrity within the church? And he said, there is one cardinal. And he goes to the cardinal's uh uh palace and the cardinal is there and, and and indeed he seems to be a good man and and because pacino goes to him and he says this is business he said this is all business he said all of this yeah and the cardinal uh points out his his fountain you know and he he tells pacino he's an old man pacino isn't as old so He's a Pacino listens to him, even though he's this he's this mafioso godfather. Yeah. And he goes to and he and he tells he tells Pacino to go into the into the uh into the uh the the fountain and pull out a stone. And he, he has this stone and he's he tells Pacino, that stone has been in that fountain, in that water, he said, for over 500 years. And the cardinal says now crack that stone against that that uh that pathway and so pacino gets it and it's a granite pathway pacino gets a stone and smashes it and it cracks in half and he says what do we have and he says it's a stone he said he said what is the outside of the stone and he said it's wet he said what is the inside he said it's dry he said so we are surrounded by the teachings of christ but inside, it's dry. It's oh, a, wow. It's, it's business. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> God, those, those, those movies are so... I can't wait to... I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna make a ton of spaghetti and sit down. That's what I, that's what I always do. That. Whenever I watch I'm The Godfather, sure. which I've done a million times, I always cook a bunch, you know, to the best of my ability. I cook yes. uh, what I believe to be Italian food. I know that any real Italian person came to my house, they would be very very disappointed with what i make <laughs> but uh maybe you know not, what? maybe not uh, i mean know. i'm i'm a good cook i'm not gonna lie man i've okay. i've worked in fine dining i know what i'm doing <laughs> my daughter lives in italy she's an italian citizen and uh yeah yeah you have all you have all types of italian cooking so um just uh this is just kind of well i mean it's not unrelated because uh i know that you draw a lot of your inspiration from uh, New Mexico, the myths of New Mexico, the legends. And I was wondering, do you have any particular uh, myth or legend that originates in New Mexico that is your favorite? 
myth or legend did you say or myth or uh yeah myth or legend i mean however however you want to a store a story of does that make sense uh i mean like maybe just kind of like a, a fable even i don't really tr truly understand the spirituality at depth of I, I, I think New Mexico is a story. I think New Mexico is a myth. To me, New Mexico is in 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 my bloodlines. Uh, probably Aslan, the mythopoeic realm. It's uh, to me, New Mexico is a metaphysical realm. So I look out my my window now. I can see the Sandia Mountains, which are uh, uh, they 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 are they are the guardians of the city. I looked to my to the west, and uh, there are the volcanoes. Um, I look to the north, and I see Sandia and the, or Santa Fe, and it's it's the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. It's I, I I live in a myth, in a mythic place. I, we were thinking at one point of of moving to Boulder. I had opportunities there, and I remember uh, talking to people there and. Uh, my old aunts from the Isleta Pueblo called out to me that they were deceased, called out to me. And she said, and they were saying, this is your land. These are your people. You are to stay here. And uh, so that was that. I yeah. didn't mess with them. <laughs> so I wouldn't say there's one story. Uh, I think New Mexico for me is is a a spiritual homeland and uh it is an ongoing and evolving story of of life and of living of continuing to learn within this specific locale we we have a uh, to me I, I we've traveled a lot a lot uh, uh maybe the closest to new mexico that i've sensed is some old european cities that have retained their sense of identity um, so New Mexico itself, the, the best answer I could give you is it is its own story. That's a great answer. I love the answer. As a matter of fact, I think that, uh, we should send this podcast episode to the, uh, New Mexico, uh, department of tourism, because that was such a, <laughs> sure, <laughs> such sure. a, uh, a glowing, uh, review of, of a beautiful state. And like I had said earlier, I don't know if we were recording yet, but it's, uh, one of the very few I've been almost everywhere in America, but I have not made it somehow to New Mexico, a place that I think that I would absolutely love, 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 love to go. Uh, specifically, uh, Albuquerque, Santa Fe, they all sound like really cool places. Albuquerque, Especially, Santa Fe, Taos. Um, or just the desert. I'd like to just go out desert, and it's lovely, get out yeah. in the desert, see some mountains, see some uh, mesas. It's, so. it's, uh, I, I did my just. I don't want to take up too much time with this, but I, I did my residency at Northwestern Medical School, and we used to have um, some kids that we treated there, but they would be, they would take them on uh, trips to New Mexico as, as part of their, their psychiatric recovery and into the desert to learn survival skills. And these were rough street kids that knew the, the streets of downtown Chicago uh better than any mobster in downtown chicago did these kids ran in and out of alleys and up and down buildings and knew the routes and the the stairways and the ways out and in uh but they came out to the desert and it freaked them out they said it was too big it was scary and they yeah. would lie on the desert floor and not want to leave they they had to have it because of the expansiveness because as i described in the book the 
in in all of my books, the sky arches overhead, uh, and it's a turquoise blue sky, and it's this canopy, and it stretches from horizon to to, uh, horizon, and I can see 100 miles in either direction. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, man. Next place, next place when I have when I have the choice of where I'm going, I'm gonna, I'm going to choose New Mexico. <laughs> uh, Paul, man, I got something I gotta tell you. We yes. were getting dangerously close to all the right, lightning right. round. Uh, all right. uh quick I don't quick know what rule. that is, but okay. <laughs> quick rules. Well, I'm gonna tell you the rules. Okay, this is this is the game section of the podcast. This is how we always end it. Uh oftentimes it's a little silly. This, this one's kind of silly. This is a, this is very pop culture. And also, uh, this was written by co-producer Colleen. Thank you so much, co-producer Colleen, for writing the lightning round. Uh, I had told her that your book was uh, scaring me a little bit while I was reading it. So, and also, this is uh, spooky season. So she made a kind of a uh, a Halloween style lightning round, which will be good. This will be good for when this comes out and everything like that. Uh, the rules are: uh, I'm going to say. The question, you've got no time to think, gut reaction, first thing that pops in your mind, that's the answer. I totally understand if not every single one of these uh, is something that you've watched before. (laughs) These are, I think, all movies. But uh, these are, honestly, man, these are myths versus myths, really. These are modern American myths versus modern American myths. Uh, And it is who would win in a duel. You ready to play? Sure. I have a feeling you're going to win. Uh, Michael Myers versus Freddy Krueger. That's been done. <laughs> do you want me to ask, uh, answer? Yeah. Oh, cannot do Freddy, man. You can't because Freddy can get into <laughs> Michael's dreams. <laughs> That's right. right. I mean, uh, how, how do you do? You, you can't. You, you can't do better than that. You know. <laughs> she wrote uh, the next one. She wrote the guy in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. What is his name? Ah, don't know. Mike I further. I, I I don't know I don't know I I I watched it, it it's it's just been so long ago I don't know I anyway don't we'll just call him the guy in the Rocky Horror Picture Show versus Elvira I don't know I'll go with the guy I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I love that actor he played Pennywise okay in, in it uh okay this is a good one Jack Torrance that's from The Shining versus Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, well, and the shining, of course. Steve gets the buzz going, man. I mean, Jack Nicholson, wow. Yeah. But do you know that was Danny Elfman's voice doing Jack Skellington? I don't know. Oh, it's, really? It's, yeah. Oh. oh, okay. All right. Uh what's got here? Uh okay. She keeps using people, but not okay. The girl in the ring versus Carrie. Oh God. I mean, you can't I I, I mean we got the same thing happening here. When King dip, dips into the supernatural, I mean, and you get some girl just blinging things out and they're gone just because of the rage coming out of the center of her forehead. That's yeah. a hard to outstrip. Yeah, uh, I, I too am a, a huge Stephen King uh, fan. So I'm going to, you know, honestly, I'll just, I'll just throw it to him whenever he's around. Ooh, here's a good one. Uh, Beetlejuice versus Pennywise. Ah, I don't know. See, some of these things I've never gotten into. Oh, uh, so you you never saw it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. It. Oh, you should see the new one. The old one kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Tell me. Okay, well, this, it's, the new one came out in two parts. I suggest you watch the chapter one. I don't highly 
I don't feel like you have you have to watch chapter two. Chapter one, really, really, really good. Cinematography, just amazing. Acting's amazing. I just loved it. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, more Stephen King magic. All right, <laughs> last one. Uh, Hannibal Lecter versus Dexter. Oh, my gosh. I love them both. But, I mean, <laughs> Hannibal the cannibal is just the dude. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose Dexter, but I mean, just Hannibal is just a real connoisseur of uh, what he does. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't that be just an incredible crossover movie, though? Because, uh, you know, because Dexter hunts uh, serial killers. Hannibal Lecter, greatest serial killer of all. I, I shouldn't say greatest serial killer of all time. That's a, that's that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> no, right. I I, I just uh, I I I I haven't been able to bring myself to do Dahmer because somehow that just doesn't work for me. Hannibal does. Yeah, I don't even want to look when I turn on Netflix. I don't even like looking at the uh, thumbnail of Dahmer. Yeah, it, uh, yeah fucking me freaks too. me out. It's, it's like so depressing. Oh. And then now that like now that I've learned so much more about it uh it's even worse <laughs> well you I know. know the the interesting thing about dexter and and hannibal to me i think is that there's a redemptive element in their personality right yeah both of them <laughs> i mean hannibal I, I remember that that wonderful scene where where uh uh he, he's seen a patient and um the patient uh gets a kleenex and blows her nose okay and there's a trash can right there but the patient puts the watered up dirty kleenex on the sofa and i thought "Ooh, should not have done that <laughs> <laughs> so he takes it because i mean to hannibal that is that is indicative of a person who's not only uh, rude but is 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 lacking the basic human integrity that deems them fit to exist yeah he takes care of business there's, a, oh, there's that other one the one he was in with uh uh i can't i'm drawing a blank the guy from fight club edward norton the one he, okay. he did with, with edward norton where it's part of the reason why they catch him i think is he he's a huge fan of the symphony and like i think vienna and like the second chair flautist okay. is right. bothering him because he says he's ruining the so he kills and he kills the second chair flautist of the Vienna, I think Vienna, but yeah. of the symphony, doesn't matter. And then feeds him to the uh, board of directors of the symphony <laughs> at, <laughs> at a dinner at his house. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's eco-friendly, I guess, you know, yeah. recycle, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it's th- hard to be Hannibal. <laughs> thank you for playing the lightning round with me. I think uh, we're, you're a resounding winner. Uh, but... <laughs> Paul, I've got one last question to ask you. It's the most yeah. important question of the entire uh, podcast. And that is, where can people find you, uh, find your books, uh, just socials, sure. all that good stuff, man? Yeah, pauldeblassi3rd.com is, uh, is my website. Uh, and there are links there, but you can also go to Amazon, put in my name and, and the book. Uh, there, are, there are buttons on my uh, website that'll take you to the unholy goddess of the wild thing goddess of everything and i'm on twitter p de blasi the third and um instagram p de blasi the third and tiktok awesome the third okay and yeah everybody uh if you're already following me 
I will have Paul uh, tagged in all my socials as well. If you want an easy route to scoot through, man, Paul, uh, a pleasure finally getting to speak to you in person, man. Uh, this is this is a really eye opening, man. I had a I had a great time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Doug. It was fantastic. Really enjoyable. Thank you for this time.